Hey kids and parents, are you looking for a summer STEM camp to keep your middle to high school student engaged? Or are you looking for an after school STEM oriented group that actually does real aerospace throughout the year? Well, look no further than the Aerospace and Innovation Academy, our parent organization. For our South Florida listeners, there are three distinctive summer sessions that will be offered in late July. For those math lovers out there, learn orbital mechanics and understand the math behind how those rockets get into orbit. For those competitive science individuals, getting a head start in that science fair means starting now. Both these camps are half-day sessions and are taught by our very own aerospace instructor and renowned science fair consultant, Kevin Simmons. For a cross-curricular experience, choose the week-long ACES camp, which stands for Aerospace CubeSats and Exploration of Science, where students will receive a space mission, work on teams to solve a problem, and pitch a solution in an oral component. Here, all those math, science, reading, writing, and speaking skills will be employed. Registration is open now by emailing interest to the email found in the show notes, or you'll find a registration form there as well. Now, not local, that's okay. A new cohort of online space club will start back up in September, along with new opportunities in the Wolfpack CubeSat development team. Check out our website at www.aerospacehigh.org. That's A-E-R-O-S-P-A-C-E-H-I-G-H dot O-R-G for more information. Registration will open soon for those as well. Join us and let's go to space. Let's go to space, Blue Sky Learning, episode 115, Brothers in STEM. Today, Kevin and I are joined by two new Wolfpack members from Buffalo, New York. Brian Bartello is 13 years old, and brother Sean is almost 11. While they have many interests, one of their main passions is space. Now, Brian already has an impressive resume. He's presented topics such as mitigating space debris at the AIAA Regional in Buffalo, and most recently, at Explore Mars is Humans to Mars Summit. Now, he was part of the Life Support Systems American team of students for their inaugural Mars Society Student Challenge with Dr. Robert Zubrin. He's accelerated in his learning and has taken concurrent high school and college credit courses at Genesee Community College as part of the New York State Ace Homeschooling Program. He's hoping to study astrophysics and mechanical engineering at the University of Buffalo. And Brian is also the founder and editor of an online school paper called Astra Nova Student Newsletter. Now, Brother Sean is interested in planetary defense and 3D design and printing. He's attended the Henry Ford National Invention Convention two years in a row as a finalist for his inventions. And this school year, he's led teams that were semi-finalists in challenges such as Future City, Cities in Space, and the Mars Innovation Challenge. As a citizen astronomer, he's discovered 17 asteroids. And of course, he enjoys drawing, painting, and architecture and hopes to study astronomy and engineering one day. There is so much more to tell you about these amazing young men, and we know that you are going to be fascinated by this interview today. As always, stay tuned after for our takeaways. Welcome, Bartello Brothers. We are so glad that you're able to join us after your big trip to, it was in Washington, D.C., yes, that you just came back yeah. from? Yes, and- we went to uh, Washington, D.C. to the uh, Humans to Mars Summit. Yeah, that's great. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we get started, I'd like you guys to introduce yourself to our audience, kind of tell them who you are and how you developed this passion for space. And let's start with you, Sean. Hello, my name is uh, Sean Bartello. And uh, 
my my passion for uh, space started when uh well we were very little and we were watching a show called Janet's Planet and we and we got we watched it whenever it was on and and uh, uh during COVID we got to be with her and she'd teach us in classes with a few other very smart students. She's amazing. I actually got a chance to meet Janet through Mr. Simmons here as well. He's known her for so long and she actually was kind enough to come down. I was organizing a TED event at a school that we were formerly at and she came down and she was one of the speakers at our TEDx. She's incredible. You're so lucky to have um, a good bond with her. How about you, Brian? Tell us about, was it the same thing for you or was it a little bit different? Well, yeah, very, very similar. Um, I'd also like to mention um, Artemis Westenberg, who was a very oh, yeah. part in this. She was very inspired. She's a very inspiring woman. Mm-hmm. She's Did you know her. her before going to Humans to Mars? Because I'm trying to get back uh, to that yeah, very yeah. beginning, that Genesis. Yeah, well, it was kind of in the, in the growth of that Genesis, kind of in the middle stage before it really was a passion. Right. Oh, so how did you meet Artemis early on before you went to Humans to Mars? Oh, uh, we went to this um Janet 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 Ivy's um astronaut academy. It yeah. was like we met up and, and we learned about space. It was like a space class every day. Um Artemis was a co-host on that and um she was very inspiring. They were both very inspiring. What yeah. was this during COVID when yeah. everyone was stuck at home? Yeah, yes, right. this was over COVID. Right, a little, yeah, right after we started. Kevin, we met Artemis. Was it was that Humans to Mars right. where we yes. met her? Yeah, yes. she fact, is uh, really, really kind of like impressive, right? And I love that her fa- her name is Artemis of all things. I right. love it. Right. In, in fact, I met uh, Janet before you guys were born at <laughs> uh, Huntsville at the International Space Development Conference. Uh, that's where I met Janet, and I met uh, Miss Artemis through Humans to Mars. So you guys basically started developing your passion. It sounds like during COVID. So it sounds like while COVID was a tough time for you guys, it actually sounds like it was a positive thing. It allowed you to learn about something and then you've been nonstop since then. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you were able to take some of the content that you learned and kind of start honing in on specific areas or even specific topics in space that you wanted to pursue more. Brian, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, so during the COVID, we we're looking at a lot of topics in space and a lot of subdivisions. And I was looking through a lot of them and also at Astronova School. Um, one of my planter, my planetary science teacher, Dr. Trudy Hugenboom, excellent woman. Um, she told she taught me about um space debris. And I thought it was a very interesting and pressing issue because you know, these satellites aren't going to go away. They're just going to keep multiplying. And then eventually we're going to have to like be dodging debris, like on Star Wars kind of in the asteroid belt. I like the reference because I'm a Star Wars fan. He's a Trekkie. You know that though. I'm yeah. sorry. I personally like Star Trek more, but yeah, Star Wars. So you're concerned great. about debris, which is important, right? Like we know that if, if like, even in the case of if something were to hit a spaceship or something like that, uh, or any space uh, craft, it could really provide some damage. So what did you learn about like debris? Did you, re- were you starting to think about how to solve the problems or? Well, that's what I'm doing in a class now is um, I'm in a class also with Dr. Trudy Hoogenboom. Um, we're doing a class on debris removal and how, and we're thinking of ways that we can remove the debris. And we're going to be talking to experts in the field, such as Dr. Morib Mariba Ja and 
Morbaja and Dr. Donald Kessler. Wow. What um, others? What are the limitations for the current strategies? What, based on your studies, what do you think are the, what makes this problem so difficult to solve? Well, one is the these objects are moving at by easily many times of hypersonic speed at least so which makes them very hard to catch and the space debris is usually very small and very hard to track right and uh a lot of damage when it's very very fast and and sean i saw you sneaking in a real number there and i i like that that's right on Uh, orbital speeds at low earth orbit are seven and 7.6 kilometers a second 7500 meters a second or higher right so you got potential of two things coming at each other at, uh, you know, 15 kilometers an hour, uh, 15 kilometers a second. That's like uh, 16, uh, sorry, about 10 miles a second, which is an incredible closing speed. So um, interesting. So you're taking classes, you are building an entire academic portfolio around aerospace. Is that, is that a safe statement or a fair statement? I would say that's a safe statement. Okay. Although so, Sean has some interests, though, that are well, that, outside. That's of that, what I was going to ask. We know Brian is focused on debris mitigation, or at least that's an interest at the present. What about uh, you, Sean? What are what is your happy place? Um. Well, I'm, I'm I've I've been starting to like asteroid searching, and I found 17 asteroids so far. Are, now, are you doing like a citizen science kind of network, and what kind of software tools are you using to identify them? Um. I get the data from IASC and uh, Astrometric is what I use the data to search for asteroids. Awesome, awesome. I wanted to tell you guys, uh, on our very first satellite, the only um, top, like, it's not top secret, but it was ITAR-sensitive document that we had was something called a Monte Carlo simulation, and it had to do with when all the CubeSats are let out of the dispenser, and then they start orbiting the earth, they drift away from each other, but the the document that only like the American citizens could look at was about the potential for collisions. Uh, that's, it's a very serious um, focus, right? As we put thousands, you know, we're putting thousands of uh, satellites up. Many of them are small sets, right? With these mega constellations. But um, I, I, I definitely wanna just sort of zone back in on we are already concerned about it. And uh, I think eventually we have to solve this problem, right? Did right. you guys see the movie Wally, the Disney movie Wally? I don't think so. I um, not that I remember. It's funny because the Earth is covered in orbital debris at some time in the future. Uh, but that I just doesn't thought I'd share seem that. funny. You mean like funny in a connected way to oh, it's, topic it's, it's, uh, it's It's a Disney movie, but it's you know, relevant, uh, I think really good humor always has a something farcical, but it's based on a hint of the truth. So that's always good humor. I want to ask a question about your classes. So I know that you've done Janet's Planet. And I know that you mentioned the this, uh, the Astro Academy that you're talking about. And I, we know, of course, you're a member of the Wolfpack. How do you hear about these opportunities? I mean, I know that you are fortunate to have an amazing uh, set of parents who really help guide you and really help find these um these chances for you or like allow you to explore, but but how did you come across the classes? Or did your mom find them? Or like, how do you come across uh, such great opportunities? Do you want to answer that one? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, at like the first um, Humans of Mars conference we went to, uh, 
uh, with Owen Welch. He he told oh. us about uh, he told yeah Owen Welch told us about uh, that's right our own Owen Welch. So he was speaking and you met him there. That now it's all coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy, yeah. and um, we also just do a lot of look looking online for these conferences and these well the conferences we only really go to humans to mars because a lot of them are very far away yeah but also we also um find a lot of competitions online um some very good sites are well future engineers if you might have heard it's a really good it's a really good competition site mm. they have a lot of interesting things uh, and AIA is also great Right, uh, right. They do a lot of interesting conferences, which I like to present at. Right. Mm -hmm. And and you may already know that Missy and I are both officers oh, in the AIAA. Yeah. And uh, I'm on the small set technical committee. I'm really happy and I'm a, I'm a little proud to actually finally have earned a spot on that committee. So I, I totally get the resources in AIAA. Mm -hmm. We are we are big fans and supporters of that. Yeah, um, they actually have teacher resources as well. And so educators, if you're listening, you know, you can become a member of the AIAA for free. There's no charge. And uh, certainly students as well, usually high school teams or universities, but, right. but they do make exceptions. And uh, it's certainly worthwhile for those resources. I, I want to circle back to the competitions because I agree with you. Well, I know I've known you guys for a while, but I do agree that competing um, and it's not about you're going to win every time, but when you, every time you compete, um, it makes you, it makes you smarter. I think it makes you more efficient, you know, in how you do research. And I, I am well aware that you guys are active in a number of competitions as with me and on your own. Uh, what are two or three of your favorite student competitions that you guys have done most recently? So um, some of our favorites are, we just finished the, here, Sean. Yes. Um, this is for, we, um, we did a, we did a couple of competitions. We did one for um, cities in space. If you can't see, cause this, you know, if you're a podcast listener, they're holding up a very impressive trophy. Looking we, very nice. Our YouTube members will be able to see it. All right. Steam space. We were, we were in second place for the, um, cities in space contest tell um, me about cities in space for our listeners what does that entail it's basically yeah we also won a future city which is basically pretty oh, much boy lots of hardware yeah, there. they're basically the same idea you have to make a city in space is it orbiting or is it on a celestial body so um cities in space it can be either um we created our city at, on mars and we highlighted many systems which you need to survive on mars which are on life support such as oxygen production water pro fresh water production and many how do other you power your city so, um ion fusion and solar power solar power is just a backup though because right. why are those why are those uh why were those your choices for our listeners who might not really understand a lot about mars's atmosphere or anything like that well, well ion fusion is usually pretty reliable but and solar power is is surefire it'll it'll work it's just it may not be super efficient on mars but it will work that's what i was wondering like i don't know as long as there's mars still a sun yeah we're we're that's about the edge of the usefulness of yeah. solar power is mars it's one and a half times the earth distance sean you looked like you wanted to say something so i wanted to give you that opportunity yeah. solar power is a uh, weaker because less um 
less solar solar rays are hitting the solar panels, so less less they get less power, and the the atmosphere is weaker. So that's that's actually a good thing. So more sun, you can, they can hit uh, more solar rays, but it's so it's much more far than Earth, so right. doesn't really matter. What was the most challenging part of that competition? Um, I don't know. Pretty sure. I mean, it was pretty fun building the city and uh, presenting. When you say build it, were, was it like a was it a something physical like model? Like or yeah, yeah, we had a physical model. Oh, okay. okay. So you had to construct it. What did you construct it out of? Um, we we made it out of recycled materials. Okay. Because they they're cheaper and it's somewhat symbolic of the fact that we can um we can be using cheaper materials and recycling to build habitats and also maybe even making martian regolith bricks right okay are are you familiar with uh, elon musk and his new starship rocket i know yeah, we yeah. about some. he chose methane as his fuel because he believes he can um manufacture fuel when he gets to mars for the return trip and that's a big tenant right is being able to make what you need where you are so you don't have to carry you know so yeah. much mass Sean, what about you? What was your favorite competition? Was it the same or are there others that you were? Yeah, I really like Cities in Space and Future Cities. Those are really fun competitions. And uh, with uh, Kevin Simmons, we did uh, Plant the Moon. Oh, this guy? Oh, this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So with the wolf pack, right? So tell us a little bit yeah. about Plant the Moon. Yes. Yeah. So you have to make, you basically have to plant plant seeds in a uh, regular and then you plant some seeds in uh, the just the regular soil to and just compare the, the heights and how well they grow in the food. Did you have, I mean, I know you all were working with students. One of the challenges, but like also a blessing, I guess, of, of online communities is that you get a chance to work with people around the country, but at the same time, you can't really work with them face-to-face -face and coordinate. What were some of the challenges? We'll start with Sean and then we'll go to Brian about working with some of these online classes or these online competitions that you've been doing it. Well, I think that the challenge of these some of these online competitions is you can't be in person to work on that with them. So you have to go, go into like a Google Sheet or something, not because- So communication, it sounds different it, or it looks different. Yeah, to, show, to share data to, yeah, just harder online, but it, it's possible. Right. We, we have trouble sometimes when we have kids in different time zones, right? When yeah. If you have a kid from Europe, a student from Europe, and you have a student from South America or someone from even Hawaii, Hawaii is yeah. six hours different for us. So that I know that finding a time when you can all meet at one yeah. time is one of the hardest parts of uh, Zoom related yeah. or, or, or virtual work. And I know, Brian, you wanted to piggyback off that, but I will, I'm going to concur with Mr. Simmons here first that I actually was working with a group of international students for a debate competition that is going to be featured at the ISDC. And I had students from Romania and students from Peru, and they were completely opposite on the time. So they struggled a lot to be able to work. And that is a challenge. But Brian, what, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I had a sim yes, I was I had a similar experience with this problem with time zones. It and um for the the Mars Society, I did a light uh habitat design. We were doing a habitat design challenge, um, and I noticed that on my on my team there were a lot of problems because 
the students were international and there were a lot of time zone issues. Yeah. And sometimes That's language right. issues, right? Like the majority of people do speak English, but at the same time, it's tough for them. And as a second language, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate as well. And it's certainly worthy, right? Like you want to emulate that because you recognize right. the societies of the future are going to be multicultural, but it, uh, it does pose a challenge for students. Since you mentioned Mar Society, let's talk a little bit about Robert Zubrin and what, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Robert Zubrin or any of his books that you may have read? Um, I haven't read the books, but um, I've met him before. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Um, he, he wrote a book called The Case for Space, and then he wrote another one called The Case for Mars. They are incredible. I strongly recommend them to our listeners. They give a very pragmatic and uh, while it's technical, it's not like over a, a, a lay reader's head about the financial, the technical, the scientific reasons and how we could go to Mars quickly and really importantly, why we need to get off this planet. And he gave a lot of historical, philosophical, just the, the nature of us as a species. So I, 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 it's interesting that I think I'd read in your bio, you had met him. Uh, he's like a person I haven't met yet, but I've, you know, I've read his books and used his books in classes. So uh, a, a really interesting guy. And when you guys, I know you're very busy, but if you have a reading list, I know you have a lot of books behind you. So I figure you guys are pretty voracious readers, right? That would be a good author to put on your list. Yeah. You only see about half the books. There's a lot more <laughs> that way and that way. Oh, I, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in agreeing with you on that. I'm going to pivot slightly now from some of the competitions and let's go to humans to Mars, because you mentioned that you were, were traveling there. So you attended the conference the year prior, and that's where you met Owen, who was um, one of our students as well, who was presenting. And, you know, Owen's traveled with us there prior to that. When we were face to face, we had um, one of our former uh, girls, Alexa Ernst was on a panel there. And then uh, even Russell Theo, Witter. right, right. Like, Theo, um, actually, the first young man we had speak at Humans to Mars, believe it or not, he was you your know. age. He is oh, now. You might know the twins, Tyler and Elliot Ebert Vessio. Yes. So, their uh, older brother, Michael, is, believe it or not, he is in an Ivy League law school now. And he was our very first student to speak on the opening day of Humans to Mars. So, let's go there. So, now you, you, you attended because you found this conference online. And then you were asked to speak. Tell me a little bit about the selection process. How did they come to you to determine that they thought you'd be a good fit? And then, you know, give us a little bit about your experience, not only as a presenter, and then Sean will hear from you as someone who got to watch your brothers is something you want to do kind of thing. All right. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to say that um, it was awesome to be there. And um, I, my selection process was, it was more like I emailed uh, Janet Ivey, who was, who um is with Chris Carberry? Um, did they do like a, a? Did they kind of do an advertisement um, saying we're looking for speakers for Explore Mars? Well, or? Not not really. I pretty much just emailed her and asked if I could speak, and okay. then went through the selection process, and then. So and you then knew she was, was part of Humans to Mars, though, yeah. like just because she, you she know her. A, she, yeah. Oh, God, and so I'd good. have found Humans to Mars through Janet and Artemis already. She it was. Their conference with Explore Mars. Um, Janet ran J the Astronaut Academy because she had a grant from NASA to uh, uh, for education, and um, it was a lot of fun to be at the conference. 
And tell then, me, tell me. So you spoke on mitigation of debris, which you said like that's your big focus now. So yeah. were were you a little bit nervous getting up there? Like what were your emotions as you had to speak on this panel, like or come on stage with a big mic and all that fun stuff? I'm excited. I was excited. I feel I feel better with more people around me. Really? I'm basically so the opposite like of everybody else that does public speaking. Yeah. That's, that's definitely not the norm. what do you think, Sean, about seeing your brother up there? Did you, were you, were you hoping secretly he was going to stumble or were you rooting oh. for him? No, I was hoping he would do well. Um, <gasps> I have to present right? at the end of the conference a little uh, for a couple minutes about why he, Mars can unite the world. Well, why, why do you think Mars can unite the world then? I Tell mean, me. it's a common goal for all of humanity. It's a common goal for all of humanity. So I think it would be a good, because everyone wants to go there. No, it's it's a new big it's a new big genre. You know, space in general, I think, provides countries this sense of um, you know patriotism for their own country, but it's also like this idea we're coming together, these different nations. So you might be right. Do you envision that maybe next year you might be presenting on that topic? Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. I think you should just ask. What I loved about what Brian said was that he just kind of asked. He didn't wait for somebody to come to him, he said, hey, maybe this doesn't exist. And if it doesn't, let me see if I can make it happen. That's pretty great. And like, that's really adult of you. And that's really, it's a really great tactic, just learning how to just cold email. That's also how I got to a chat with uh, Dr. Donald Kessler, who is an expert in the field of space debris. Um, I really just called him online. I, I call, that's how I make a lot of my contacts other than through conferences is I just, find people who are interesting and then if I don't meet just them, reach out. I'll just find their email and or phone number and that's then just really really them. good advice right. really good advice well my last question guys is this let's picture five ten years from now what do you think you would like to be doing let's start with uh Sean and then we'll go to Brian where do you see yourself uh you're about to turn 11, 11 so <laughs> I mean you'll probably be in high school or uh, or dual enrollment, but what sort of work do you hope to be doing five to 10 years from now? Well, I'm, I'm hoping to do planetary defense and you no know, search for asteroids. Ah, so you enjoyed the DART mission. Yeah. That was fantastic, wasn't it? I believe we talked about that. You guys did, and we'll at yeah. Space Club, I think, yeah, right? Yes. Surprisingly, we're just sending a little satellite to an asteroid and just diverted it quite a bit. It's quite surprising. Uh, it is It is a wonderful confluence of orbital mechanics, protecting the existence of the human species, et cetera. It's really cool. Well, asteroids, of course, have some, you know, financial and scientific uh, accolades about them as well, right? Like, sure. I wonder if we could, like, yes. push them out and then well, grab all this stuff. Yeah, asteroid also- mining is a, a huge sinkhole of investor money right now. <laughs> But I think eventually space mining is, uh, it's logical. Yeah, it's logical. Okay, Brian, where do you see yourself? Five to 10 years from now, you'll be about 18 to 23. Well, five years from now, I see myself probably graduating from UB or working on a PhD possibly in uh, aerospace. And 10 years from now, I envision myself probably working in, well, who knows what's going to happen with space debris in 10 years? Is it going to be a problem that's still an issue? Is it going to be too late? But I'm probably going to be working with um, an expert with uh, space debris, uh, John Crisides, who's 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 at University of Buffalo. Um, why? Uh, I, well, now you've answered my question, which was going to be why University of Buffalo? I know that's 
close to where you guys live. Um, what if you got an offer to uh, come down and work on the Space Coast or Hawthorne, California or Silicon Valley? Would you be quick to move or are you looking to stay in the Buffalo area? Well, we're planning to stay with, we might move, but we're planning to stay with UB because uh, they have a lot of good planter, plantary uh, research. I think, I think we also might, I, I think we might move down too. It depends. Mm -hmm. um, Pro I'd probably move if I got the opportunity because it's nice and warm in Florida, but. Well, I will tell you this. If the, when you come to Florida, we need to set you up on a tour of Exolith Labs. Oh my gosh, so you can go that. hang out in Orlando where they actually make the Martian and Lunar Regolith. They're building a sandbox, guys, that's going to be just tons and tons of Regoliths where they can test one-ton rovers. NASA's going to test their the rovers sandbox. there at UCF. So, That's awesome. Um, I, I think you guys would find some fun because that regolith is important, right? We can, we can, we need to study it. So, well, the final question we always pose our guests is about advice. And since you guys are, well, your kids, let's face it, and we have a lot of listeners who are children or parents or or teachers, things like that. So, what advice? If there's a student out there listening, going, "Oh my gosh, I want to be able to do some of this stuff. Well, how do I?" Like, how do I even begin? Let's start with Sean and we'll finish with Brian. What advice do you have for students out there who might need some direction? Well, follow your dreams, whatever, whatever you're interested in, go for it. And um, don't be afraid to reach out to the people who can get you there. Because if you don't, if you aren't connected to the people who will get you to where you want to be, you won't get there. Right. So having having a good network is yeah. really you important. Need to, you need to know, you need to be able to not be scared to talk to the people who you need to reach your final goal. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to add to that too. I think that being younger is, it makes it increases the likelihood rather that they're actually going to respond to you because I think sometimes they might be, you know, willing to ignore some emails that come in from adults or whatever that they don't know but when they see that it's a younger person i really think that adults are super interested in in people like yourselves who are not only interested but intelligent and, and able to do the, the real work so and, congratulations to you both in my experience it's either been they think you're a kid and they that that's interested in their subject and they'll respond to you to try and be inspirational or yeah. they'll think oh this is just a child Yes. So, so, and not take people seriously. Seriously. Enough. True. That, that's, that's true. And so what we want to do, you know, right, is help you guys learn how to uh, handle yourself as you're doing real well with like your email communications and help you fight this ageism so that you'll be taken seriously. And honestly, the best thing you guys have going for you is you can, you know, space is hard. We fail all the time at space. So you guys are so young if you stay on this path, no matter how many times you fail, you are still going to succeed because you have time is on your side. Mm -hmm. To quote the Rolling Stones, and as uh, we close time out, is on your side. As we close out, of course, we also need to give a shout out to your parents. You have incredibly supportive parents who have really made um, your, your passions uh, a reality. So if you haven't hugged them today, you need to do yes, that after I, we're done. I tell the kids on our uh, field trips, our road trips, be good to your moms, right? Because uh, I, I don't know your dad that well, but I do know your mom is a great volunteer. She's supporting our conference in Florida, our second annual small set education conference. And um, yeah, the opportunities you have, uh, 
you not only do you have interest and ability, but you have means. And your yeah. mom is your means because I believe she drags you all over, takes you to where you need to be. So uh, you have means, intelligence, and, and, and interest. So you, you got a great thing going there. It's really, I'm really glad to have met you. Yeah. And I'm actually really looking forward to the work you're going to do on our satellite team. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend and we'll see you at the next Wolfpack meeting. Thank, thank you very you. much. It's an honor to be here. Thank, thank you. you. Well, if, uh, if our world is going to be in the hands of some of these students that we get to work with, we are, we are going to be okay. They're pretty great. Yes, um, I've known Sean and Brian for probably more, more like a year, about a year now. And what I would say about them is they are self-motivated. They are always looking for opportunities and they're willing to do the work that goes along with it. So those are always, um, those are great attributes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also love what he said about being willing to just reach out. I think that's a lost art. Most people, adults, myself included, we really don't want to talk to people anymore. There's like a, a disconnect. But for somebody who is confident enough, and you don't really see that ever in, in children, you know, right. feels they, confident enough to reach out. That's impressive. Yeah, they, they hit a number of our themes, which are about, you know, trying not to be risk averse and mm -hmm. being willing to fail and then not be deterred by failure. And the one of the best things that uh, Sean said is about the importance of building a network to accomplish what you want. And yeah. that's, that's spot on uh, right down the middle. Right. And I just want to, once again, I know I mentioned it at least twice, but really having supportive parents changes everything. So if you are interested in, you know, these, some of these opportunities that you heard Sean and Brian doing their, their resumes are ridiculously long already at such a young age, when it really is about parents who are willing to help those students provide the opportunity. Of course, we can also help you with that at the Aerospace and Innovation Academy by going to our website, which is aerospacehigh.org, A-E-R-O-S-P-A-C-E-H-I-G-H.org. And of course, we'll look for you next week when we say, Let's, Let's go, go to space. space.